And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause. Like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even. Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. Your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year. Banner 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie. I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard, gang green, it's no other way, so tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up to date, you heard, <laughs> hey Jay, I, I see you there, she, welcome to Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network, I'm your host Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I'm joined by the kid, the legend, the god himself. That's right. It's Jay King, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic. We are coming to you in the middle of the NBA Finals, These uh, where the Celtics probably could be playing. Yes, I'm still upset with them for losing games one and two of the Eastern Conference Finals. They choked it away. I still think they're a more talented team, but... We have slowed down a little bit here on Potable because it is the Celtics offseason. And in the offseason, that is the prime time for players to get better. Now, Jay, you are a basketball writer. This is correct. Yes, I am a basketball writer. Now, does that give you permission to say what players on the Celtics should work on in the offseason? You're trying to make a joke about the guy who tweeted to me about how writers should not be allowed to pick a pick what a star player should work on over the summer well well why not buddy (laughs) and who are you to tell a writer what a writer should should write about you son of a gun jerk i mean (laughs) (laughs) no but i mean that that is that was an outrageous tweet to me my entire job is to write about NBA players and react to NBA players and weigh in on NBA players and study the game. And like, there there are very few people who have watched more Celtics basketball over the last 10 years than I have. So yeah, I think I could choose (laughs) what Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker could want to work on over the summer. It's, it's really not that difficult to, to figure that out. It's also not like a definitive thing that they have to listen to you. It is your opinion as observer who uh, what you think they should work on. And so I enjoyed I enjoyed that, though. Just coming at my neck. I like, enjoyed the clap like, back. Does, would Jason Tatum want me to teach him how to do those things? No, hell no. Absolutely not. But I, I think I could figure out a part of guys games that isn't quite where it should be. Now, normally, I read everything that Jay King writes. And if you want to do the same, you can go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable. I believe you can still get The Athletic for a dollar a month, which is oh, you can. absolutely insane. Um, but for these two articles, he wrote uh, part one and part two. I did not read it because I wanted to create some intrigue for the listener gods out there and try to guess what each player, what Jay thinks knowing that he's a writer, what he thinks each player should work on. And so, um, Jay, I don't know. I don't even know what order you did it in, but like you, you tell me the player and I'll tell you what I think you guess. And then if I disagree, what I think they should work on. I did it in alphabetical order, actually. Okay. You're gonna have to pause there. 
you sent one of the most ridiculous tweets I've uh, ever seen you sent where you said, I just realized there's a lot of guys, a lot of dudes on the Celtics with last name starts with W. Now, were you super baked or just regular baked when you sent that tweet? But I was just putting the list in alphabetical order and, and realized that for the first time that the Celtics had a lot of dudes whose last names start with W. That's that's Kemba all there is Walker, to Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Brad Wanamaker. Yeah, just <laughs> a lot of lot of W's there. A lot right, of W's. So, well, I think they'll be at the end of the list. So who's who's the first one? Um the first one was Jalen Brown, I believe. I'm trying to pull it up right now. Um Jalen Brown, what do I think you think Jalen Brown needs to work on? Um, he's steadily improved all year in terms of his dribbling and attacking the basketball. I think his corner three-point shooting was pretty good. Um, I would say like playmaking and passing and being able to like playmaking. There you go. I mean, it it feels pretty obvious for Jalen Browns. Like that's the next step of his game. He very much benefited from Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker being the main playmakers this season. He could kind of hang out in the corner, but his game would be kind of taken to a new level if he can be the guy to initiate the offense. So we're on the same page there. Yeah. And and I think also like Danny Ainge in the press conference at the end of the year said he thinks Jalen is ready to take on bigger responsibilities, bigger roles. Well, that's going to involve creating more for himself and for others. And so that that's it's the most obvious next step. It, he's gotten much, much better at recognizing situations and knowing when to attack and all of that. But I think especially because of how gifted he is at getting to the paint and getting to the rim, if he can become even a little bit more passable passer, passable passer. Ooh, that's good. Uh, then then he, he'll just open up a lot for the Celtics offense because, I mean, the, the guy can just really, really get to the rim and with Kemba and Tatum on his side, like is often going to be facing a second-rate defender. So if he can just get a little bit more playmaking, it could be a big deal for the Celtics. I'd agree. I mean, I think we saw the offense really struggle with anytime Kemba or Tatum was on the bench, especially when Kemba was on the bench. So the more playmaking you can have uh, on that squad, I think will be just beneficial for the Celtics. Here's a, here's another wrinkle. Ooh, another wrinkle. You've listed a number of recommendations. I'm going to add to the question. Do you think the player can do that in the off season? And so is, is like getting that much better at playmaking. Do you think something Jalen Brown could uh, add to his game? Because I personally think it is just because in terms of the Kaizen mentality, always improving, Jalen Brown feels like he's had probably the most linear career of a guy who consistently gets better and has added something to his game and throughout the season is also someone who gets better. And so in terms of like picking up new skills, I definitely think that's like something Jalen Brown can do. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think he has to become a passing wizard. It's just like when he gets into the paint, can he find the wide open guy? And that, so I think that's doable for him. I think, I do think that this year, like he showed some, some utility as a pick and roll playmaker that he hadn't showed in the past. Um, and, and I think like the, the obvious next step for him is to do a little bit more of that. And over time, like I'm, I'm curious to see how Kemba Walker's usage rate continues with with obviously I think Tatum is going to continue to evolve and maybe take more of a role in the offense and Jalen could too so I I think the the usage rate situation will be intriguing to me over the next few years Ooh, so something to look out guys usage rate over the next couple of years all right give me the next person on the list Carson Edwards making shots yeah, I mean, kind of. I just said confidence. The guy was an absolutely electric scorer in college. And even though he didn't have like super great percentages as a three point shooter in college, he shot pretty well on insane attempts, like, like 
pull-ups and running into 30 foot or like just crazy, crazy difficulty. And then as a rookie, he didn't really do any of that. He shot 27.7% from the arc over 13 games with the red claws. Like he didn't shoot much better than that with the Celtics blew his chance at a rotation spot early in the season, never recovered from that. I just think confidence is is going to to make or break him. Um, he needs to be a shooter. He needs to be a scorer. And if he's not that, like, what is he? Not an NBA player is what he is if he's not making shots. I think, like, confidence and making shots go hand in hand. What's the best way to get confident? Get some buckets. Um, the Here's the big question. Can he do it? Yeah, I mean, that's that's – very good question. That's a question that will decide we whether he has an NBA to. career. And it, it was it was not a promising rookie season for him. Um, but at the same time, like he does have a year ago, he was scoring forty in the NCAA tournament, and I guess it was a little more than a year ago. Now that the year la- the season lasted like seven years, but. He has shown that he has three-point versatility. He can shoot off the dribble. He can shoot off the catch. But he just didn't do it during his rookie season. So he he needs to do that. And I think it's really important for him because guys like him, you need to show your coach you deserve a green light. It's It's not just that. Like he needs to knock down shots. Like he needs to be able to take shots that most guys couldn't or wouldn't because that's where his value is going to come from being able to get up a ton of shots and being able to hit shots at a, at a solid rate. So if he can do that, then he'll have a long career. If he can't, then it's tough to find a role that would work for him. Yeah. It's cause it's not like he can really pivot to just being like a, a super d- defensive guy. I mean, he's very, he's short for the league. It's not like he's going to be able to do much else. He is in the league because of his ability to like volume score. And so um, I'm not going to say he can't do it, but I will be uh, somewhat surprised if he's a role player next year for the Celtics. Hit me with the next person on the list. Taco fall. What does taco fall need to work on? Um, Running like being more athletic, be like, I don't know. I It's like his minutes were just kind of so absurd this year that it's just like I never really imagined him being usable in a game. So I don't know. Uh, like being a, an actual guy who can move on defense. That's my final answer. Lock it in. <laughs> I, I just wrote maximizing his presence. And I think – What does part, that even mean, bro? Uh, part of it is like, like when he's – in a pick and roll, like roll hard, dive hard, be able to to get out of the pick and roll really quick. And same thing with dribble handoffs, like get to the lane quick. Cause he's he's such a presence that he's going to drag guys with him. And defenders won't want to leave him because if they do, it's gonna be an alley oop over the top. And I think like the presence can be a real thing, but but he has to utilize that. And I, I think he could he can be too slow in in those situations and it i mean it it goes hand in hand with what you were saying which is just be a little more mobile be a little more forceful with the cuts and and the defense and all of that maximize that presence bro maximize the presence now here's the question can he become quicker and more athletic he's got a giant frame like is there a is a is there a top speed he has yet to unlock or do have we seen like how I don't know just he's just so huge that it doesn't feel like oh he's just gonna like learn how to run better and now he's gonna be explode to the rim Rob Williams style yeah yeah but some of it is just like like doing things with purpose all the time you know like it's it he's not gonna become Russell Westbrook athletically um, but if he did watch out <laughs> but he won't need to because he's seven foot six. So I I just think the the more he can capitalize on that presence and the more he can force guys into a decision at the rim, then then that, that will be a really good thing for him. All right. Next person on the list. 
Uh, Javante Green. Hmm. I would say knocking down corner threes. Wrong. Wrong. I mean, okay, what do you think Javante has to work on? Wrong. Jumping I, slower? I mean, I definitely think corner threes would help. Becoming a, a solid three-point shooter would help. But I, I just think his path to playing time is being a great defender, right? Like, like he's so athletic and so bouncy. And even in a league of freaks, he is freaky. <laughs> um, Freakiest in the league of freaks. Yeah, but like tap into that. Become a lockdown defender. Be a guy who can shut somebody down. You know, Tony Allen is obviously one of the best wing defenders of his generation, but he tapped into that type of athleticism and just hounded people. And Javante Green, I think he had moments of it as during his first NBA season, but it was never like nearly at that type of level. And I think because of his athleticism, he can be a better defender and because of his shooting and because of, his lack of like playmaking, he needs to be like a great defender to carve out a role. And he had moments this past year. Um, I mean, who will forget that magical game in Orlando where he locked down Terrence Ross? I mean, I wrote, I put that in my story. It was, it was probably the biggest Javante green defensive moment uh, of his career. I'll remember that just because I don't think you were there for that game. And so um, I think the magic were thought that I was a legitimate athletic reporter and sat me right on baseline. And that was the, probably the best view of the game I got all year. Uh, and he was fantastic on Terrence Ross. But um, other than that, I can't remember many defensive moments from Javante. So I would agree. I think it kind of goes hand in hand. He basically he's going to be a three and D guy, like if he fully reaches his potential. And so I think he'll get on the court um, if he can play defensive effectively and he'll kind of stay on the court. If he can be a guy who can um, camp out in the corner and knowing when to knock down open threes, when knowing when to stay in the corner and then knowing when to cut and just like explode with his freaky deaky uh, jumping ability. Next Gordon Hayward. Uh, Not having his ankle explode. Durability. A good start. Um, I don't know. In terms of his game, he kind of does a lot of different things. I think maybe being more uh, more aggressive and just trying to get his driving aggression. There you go. And I, I I think the stat that jumped out to me. Obviously, he had a super efficient season. Obviously, especially inside the two point arc, but outside of it too. Like he he just made shots this year. He was really really efficient. Um, with his opportunities, didn't didn't always get a ton of opportunities, but normally maximize them. The one stat that stood out is like a a negative from where he's been before in his career. His free throw rate just dwindled, and I mean he's six seven. He's strong. He's mobile. I think he can force more contact. I think he can get some of those free throws back. And and it's it's weird because he is like a, a lot of his finishes are like he just kind of gets to the paint and just shoots like stops. a six footer. He never yeah. finishes through. He always stops and does that. He's like very good at the stop, He's like spin. Really move, good at it. Yeah, and but he so, never is like going to the rim. Yeah, and so that's like finding a balance there between not shying away because it it's not like he's being afraid or he's just going into a shot he knows he can hit. But I, I do think like there's a balance where he can get more to the rim and, and draw more free throws. And cause the Celtics, like they were better at getting to the rim this year, but they're still another level for the entire team to reach. And, and I, I don't think like the majority of that burden falls on him, but he got a lot of his athleticism back and now, like, he should be able to draw free throws again. He used to be really good at drawing free throws. And this this year, he just wasn't. This might be a ridiculous question, but it goes along with can he do it. 
is he too much of a team player to kind of be selfish enough and to try to get his? Because there is some part of it where it's like you have to have a mentality. It's like I am scoring here, and it feels like he's known. Brad Stevens always will give him credit for making the right read. And so there's like a decision to be made. You're going towards the rim. Guys are closing in on you. It feels like his natural instinct is to try and swing it to the open guy rather than like really take it upon himself to finish through contact. Is he too much of a nice guy or like team player to make the right read to kind of like push through that kind of, I guess, unselfish nature of his? I mean, sometimes the right play is to go hunt a foul. And so, and I, I think it, this goes back to one of the questions people have about Brad Stevens' teams, which is do they get to the paint enough? Do they create enough opportunities at the rim? They haven't always done that under Brad Stevens. Um, and I, I don't know how much of that falls on coaching, how much of it is Gordon Hayward was coming back from a injury he was seeing in a totally different role than he was before. Like there are a lot of variables that have switched from when he was hunting fouls and collecting fouls a lot when he was with the Utah jazz, like so much has changed since then. But I, I just think that sometimes, especially a, a guy who's as big as strong and as skilled as he is like, there's, there's no way, no reason for his free throw rate to be as low as it was this season. All right, hit me with the next guy. And it's Cantor. Oh. Offensive rebounding, right? No, it's like can you but like the 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 answer is like move his feet, right? Yeah, it was tough to find one for Ennis Cantor. Because it's like something like, you he can't do that. It's not like he's magically just going to become fleet of foot. Like I, the, I know you talk about Kaizen all the time, but some guys just are who they are, man. And like he, I have not like maybe making like not smoking bunnies like when he gets an offensive rebound and like, I, just I just getting, wrote I just wrote defense, but yeah, I, I thought about finishing his uh his finishing was was lower this past season than it was most years of his career. But the guy just, he he needs to, I mean, he'll never be a good defender. He'll never even be an okay defender. But if he could just tweak the percentages just a little bit in his favor, like, like the seesaw, the seesaw right now is like, like Ennis is up too high. His, <laughs> his defensive limitations are, have more weight right now, but if he could, if he could change that seesaw just a little bit, then he'll be able to stay on the court a little bit more. I just don't think it's possible. Like Ennis is a veteran. Ennis is yeah, Ennis. It's not you like, are anti Kaizen right now. I mean, it's like, can he improve his angles? It's really just his feet don't not move fast enough. I don't. Was again just to run a bunch of ladder drills? Like, wait, like you would think that he would have been working on this for the past twelve years, and, and he's so- gotten better. He has gotten better. Than he had he moments at some point in, in the career. Heat series where he had a not awful uh, four minutes, but then he had some awful uh, moments. And so I don't know if it's possible for uh, Ennis. Uh, yeah, Ennis was tough because he, he really is just – he's what he is. Like It is what it is. All right, give me the next one. Romeo Lankford. Romeo, I don't know. I feel like he's had some strong moments on defense this year where he was like pretty good. I think it just needs to be scoring or being like not a guy that you just completely forget about if you're on defense. Shot creation, getting to the rim. I don't. Um, I don't know. Shooting. Well, so well, I'll go with shooting. You, you kind of picked exactly what I did. I, I picked overall offensive comfort. His rookie season. He didn't really show any of the slashing that made him a lottery pick. Like you said, he showed some defensive utility. He had moments where his defense really flashed. He cut, he had some nice cuts, like did some things like that. But I mean, if you look at the shooting numbers are bad, he needs to certainly develop his shooting. But beyond that, like he needs to figure out ways to tap into his old scoring instincts because 
too many times this season. And and we talked about it like after games when he would play with all the other bench warmers, he still wouldn't try to do more than he did when he was playing with Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker. It was like his usage rate was always going to be at 11%. And he was never going to try to put his offensive imprint on a game. And if, if he continues to play like that, like it's just really tough to, to survive as a wing when you don't bring much to the table or offensively at all. And the thing that's tough about Romeo about like, if you answer whether or not he can get it done, there's already rumors now or not rumors. He's pretty much going to miss. He's not going to be able to work on this in the offices and he's going to be rehabbing. He's going to miss the start of next year. And so I think a lot of it is confidence and like playing in big moments. And it feels like he's just hasn't gotten that uh, opportunity yet. So I don't know when it's going to happen. He is still, quite young he's like what 19 years old at this point there i'm not saying he can't do it it's just his it sucks that he has is going to be hurt this offseason he's going to spend most of his time rehabbing rather than like kind of uh working on his offense yeah and i think when when you when you consider his future you have to think like if he's going to stay in boston he's going to be playing next to jason tatum he's going to be playing next to jalen brown he's going to be playing next to kemba walker Obviously, shooting is going to be a major component for him because he's going to be used a lot of the times as a spacer for those guys. And if if you can't space for those guys, you're not going to be able to maximize those guys. And in Boston, for the next however many years, maximizing those guys is going to be their main goal. And so he needs – shooting definitely needs to, to develop for him. But I, I do think, like – in college, he was a crafty slasher, crafty finisher. His pick and roll numbers were really good as a scorer. So he, there's there's stuff to his offensive game. He just didn't show much of it as a rookie, and and that's understandable. Like he was injured early and often. He was playing with a bunch of players who are established and deserved the ball more than he did, but he's got to find ways to like impact an offense because you can't always be playing four on five when, when he's out there. I agree. Next on the list. Next on the list is shimmy. Ojale. Shammy Ojalay. Well, he certainly uh, improved on his willingness to shoot this year um, and was actually a decent, decent three point shooter. I would say anytime he dribbled the basketball, it wasn't a good sign. So I'm going to say uh, doing anything offensively off the dribble, not just being being more than just a catch and shoot guy. Yeah, I I thought about that, but I, I also feel like that's just not going to be him, right? Like I'm not sure he has enough instincts to be that guy that's going to ever like attack closeouts and make good decisions and do all that stuff. So I think for him, it's continuing to become a better shooter, even though he, he's obviously taking a lot of strides there. And then I think we're as weird as it sounds like defense for him becoming more disruptive. Like he's always seems to be in the right spots. He can usually stay in front of a guy, but his steal rates, his block rates, his are, hands are not great are really low and he doesn't always make plays when he's in a position to make plays. And so like if, if he can become the defender like that is disruptive and like that, that matters. And he's, he's never been that like they, if you use him on Giannis, he can stay in front and he can be strong and be athletic and, and he can force like, force him out of some of the stuff he wants. But too often, I feel like Shimmy Ojale is there in the spot where he should be and just not effective enough at stopping what the other team wants to do. He needs to go to the Andre Iguodala school of quick hands. And I don't know if like you can improve that with like, you know, the crazy, like the light up things that you see like Steph working out with where they have to do yeah. like, quick reactions. Like, I don't know if there's a way to improve your hand speed like that. Maybe he can become a boxer I don't know, but it's it definitely feels like he's in the right position with his feet, but then doesn't really do much beyond that. And so 
I would agree. I think that's you, you answered the question already of like whether or not he can do it with Mike. I said, he improve on offense. You said, no, he cannot do that. So let's stick to what he can do. And I agree, be more impactful defender, not just like a body you throw out there, but being someone who's like actually can make a more of an impact on the game. Yeah. And that's something he's known he needs to work on for a while. Like I, I can remember after his rookie season, maybe second season, that was something he pointed out that the coaching staff had talked to him about. He wanted to, you know, make make more plays defensively as as, as well as just be in the right spot. And it's the journey continues, man. I, I, I do think uh, he if if he can just become a little more disruptive, um, then that, that would really help him. Vincent Poirier is the next one. Oh my God! There's so many things that I could list. Yeah, in terms I didn't know what to either. <laughs> um, defense, rim protection, hands. I, 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 I kind of acknowledged that there was a lot to choose from, and I just said finding a niche. Yeah, what he's got to he? do something. I mean, what that's why he? he's tall. So that's why I went with defense at first. It's like you want your tall guys to be like an effective rim protector. Didn't really feel like he did much else. Thinking back on that famous Orlando game, he probably had some of the worst stretches of basketball I've seen uh, ever. Not, I, I mean, I, I that was cold blooded. It was cold. I feel bad immediately, uh, but it's true. He just needs to do like what is he? At least Ennis has like he's the offensive rebounding guy. He needs to find Robert a Williams is a jump super high guy. Grant Williams is a switch everything and be d- defense guy. Vincent Poirier is the sex finger joke guy. And he, and that's better than that. That's quite a niche, but I'm not sure it's That's an like, off the court niche. He needs to, he needs a he needs a role on the court because you know what? No one everyone's wearing the same uniform then. It's hard yeah. to stand out with a cool Versace pants. Yeah, so I I think just I mean overseas he was very good at rim running, catching lobs, all that. We didn't see much of that, if any, during his rookie season. So maybe that's his thing. But Robert Williams does it better, right? So he's got to find a niche. So I think like the role on the Celtics is like they don't. Robert Williams is like a rim protector in that he's uh, extremely good at jumping and blocks, but he's not always in the right position. I think if Vincent Poirier can get on the thing as just being like a very, he needs to be a positional defender. Who's also seven feet tall. Like he just needs to be someone Aaron Baines tape all summer. He just needs to put his hands up and be in the right position near the rim. And like, that's, that's his role in the team. They kind of have big man by committee and they don't have anyone who's like really good at that. And so that's the way I see Vinny doing it. I don't know if he can pull it off, but the Celtics are paying him for another year, so he uh, he has the opportunity to. Marcus Smart. Shot selection? Uh, I mean, there's like, part of me is like, that's the brilliance of Marcus Smart is he can just, he'll shoot whenever and is like in games, like in the playoffs against the Raptors, like that was kind of what's uh, put them back into that game. But then there's just some times where he's just, it's just, he needs to know that uh, teams are wanting him to shoot and that maybe the team would be better served, especially in kind of late game situations by having uh, Kemba or Tatum or even Jalen taking the shots rather than Marcus. Yeah. I, I said shooting consistency. Like, it's pretty obvious, right? Like he just needs to become a better shooter. And I think part of it is definitely shot selection. He can take what, what are like twenty five percent of his shots would be classified as heat checks. Yeah, he he takes a lot of heat checks. Um, but the, the the stat that stood out to me that I, I even I was a little surprised by it. In four of the last five years, he has shot. Less than 32% on catch-and-shoot tries. Catch-and-shoot three-pointers. So, like, in the one year he beat it, he was, like, close to 39%. 
Um, but I think catch and shoot threes, especially after all the off the dribble threes he knocked down this year, that that should be a focus. Like needs to become better at that, needs to become more consistent at it. And then some of the shots, some of it is like you said, his shot selection. If if he just took better ones, his percentage would would climb for sure. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. But I don't want to stifle him too much. Yeah, you gotta gotta <laughs> let Marcus Smart be a daring, <laughs> bold dude. Let Marcus be Marcus. Um, do you think he can do it? Do you think it like really trying to hold, like rein him in will like would affect his game? I think he can. I think he's gotten like better at it. Each of his like he's still gonna let it fly, but like I think he's got better at just general shooting consistency each of his years in the league. And so, yeah, I think I it's think, something that can be done. I mean, he's definitely gotten way better as a shooter. I mean, if you if you look at his stats this year, like he didn't shoot a great percentage but it was on high volume and a lot of his shots were tough he did hit a a great percentage of of off the dribble threes so top five in the league off the dribble yeah and that that might have just been kind of fluky but it never really stopped (laughs) he just he just kept doing it um and then i think some of the shot selection stuff was better in 2018-19 when the Celtics had more scoring threats, I feel like sometimes like he fills a role he thinks the team needs him to play. And so when he shares time with then this is just a theory. I don't even know the numbers of how many threes he takes when he's with player X versus player Y. But it feels like sometimes he he decides to take on a bigger burden offensively when he's with guys who can't really score and so maybe if the Celtics build out their bench a little bit then he'll get more selective with the shots one can hope but unlikely because I don't know how the Celtics are going to build out their bench uh that much but moving on next player who is Jason Tatum Jason Tatum um, I would say, I don't know, in the playoffs, it felt like <laughs> scoring points in the first quarter, but it feels like more <laughs> consistency. Like he can have streaks where he's just very like the most dominant player on the court. And then um, other times where he's just not aggressive. I don't know. The playoffs are just really sticking to my brain where it sometimes feels like just catch and shoot was not something he would do and not being aggressive enough. And so I think it's like consistency and aggression, but I don't know. What did you say? Yeah. I, I, I just said maximizing every possession. And I think like when we talk about Jason Tatum, now when we evaluate him, we're evaluating him now against the other best players in the league, because he's gotten to that point where he deserves to be judged like that. He's not just a regular young guy anymore. He's a guy who just averaged 25 points, 10 rebounds, and five assists per game in an entire playoff run. So I think when you compare him to the very best players in the league, a lot of those guys are so good at valuing possessions and so good at getting to their spots and getting what they want out of a possession. And I think Tatum doesn't always do that or doesn't do it as frequently as the very best players in the league do it. And I think part of it is he's still getting stronger. He's still going to need to, you know, work on the finishing and finishing through contact and drawing contact that other guys do. Part of it is he's still developing as a playmaker, even though he took huge, huge strides in the playoffs. That's, a wrinkle of his game that is just now being tapped into. So, I mean, before this season, he never even really ran pick and rolls. And now he's doing a lot of it as the primary source of offense for the Celtics. 
So I think part of it, part of it is a learning curve and it'll come, but just maximizing every possession like the very best players do and getting something really good for his team on every really important possession, I think is, is key for him. And that's what makes a superstar a superstar is that guys can show up and be the best player on the court. But it's like, are you able to do that consistently and do that um, in 80% of the games? And, like, and do so, it possession by possession in half court against the best defenders. That's when that's you're not. Yeah. And especially when you're not like feeling it, it felt like, especially in his kind of sluggish stretches in the playoffs, where it was like he needed something to get him going. And I know a lot of players are like that, but it feels like the best players in the league, like if they really need a bucket can go get a bucket. And it feel like Tatum had to be more of in the zone. And we certainly saw moments back in February after like pre all uh, the trade deadline. And after the all-star break where he was in a zone and he could do that, but that's the next level of stardom is uh, just at any moment. I'm going to be able to guide the guy you can rely on. So I would agree. I think he can do it. He's what only 19. That's such a dumb joke. I'm sorry I did that, but um yeah, I think it's like we've seen him take the step, and I think that's just kind of the next step in his progression. Indeed. Indeed. We got – who is next? Are we got into the W's yet? I hear there's Not so yet. many W's. Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice. <laughs> Danny two blocks. I think he could do – it's either fouling less or becoming a more willing three-point shooter. Um I think just he needs to be more of an impact on the offensive end, but that's really just like he he gets his value from being the high energy guy who can uh, fly around on defense. And if he just fouled a little bit less and did a more a better job contesting, I think he's not going to foul out of games and he's not going to hurt your team as much. Yeah, I think fouling is a big deal for him, especially in the playoffs and especially if the Celtics don't improve their options behind him. It's a big deal for him to stay on the court. It's a big deal for him to be able to stay aggressive. Um, a lot of the fouls are borderline, but he does need to do a better job of of staying out of foul trouble. I chose shooting, and I chose shooting just because of what it would open up for the Celtics. He made just four of 26 three-pointers during the playoffs. And I, I, I didn't even realize that during the playoffs because he doesn't really shoot. A lot. And no, and they were playing way off of him, basically begging him to shoot, and he still wasn't shooting. And when he would have these weird, like, double clutch shots, and I don't know, just like they had no pick and pop offense when he's on the court, which is something that just like opens up so much space if they're that guy defender has to kind of be honest and not just drop back entirely when he sets a screen. Yeah, and the Celtics didn't have that at all, and and. We saw when the Celtics played Toronto, like every time Serge Ibaka came on the court, they needed to account for him because he was a good enough shooter and a willing enough shooter that if they weren't there on the catch, he was going to hurt them. And Tice isn't at that level yet. He's been a decent shooter throughout his career, but not a willing one at all. And... Certainly, I mean, he made four three-pointers throughout three series in the playoffs. And that's with, like, Philadelphia was literally just begging, begging, begging him to shoot. And he rarely did it, didn't hit many. Um, And so I I just think, especially as you look at the roster moving forward with how Tatum and Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown are going to drive the offense – if you can have a pick and pop guy to take a little bit of the pressure off them, then that's a big deal. And a lot of the time they won't want Tice to do that. They'll want Tice to roll and do the Gortat seals that he was so good at and continue to to impact games that way. He's good at playing in the seam, stuff like that. But every three-pointer that he hits will open things up for those guys a little bit. And I feel like Brad's offense is at its best when he has a guy who can play five out. Like there's a reason Al Horford was so successful here with the Celtics. It's like just being able to give, um, I don't know, I'm just thinking back to Isaiah Thomas, like how much space he was able to have because that defender had to cling to Al Horford, just even like a step or two because he could pop there. I just think that's when the kind of read and react, you have much more space 
um, is that much better. Uh, and so if you can have like that was the Celtics never really had a go to lineup in where they could play kind of a five out offense just because Tice is, is kind of limited that and the, the best five lineup never works. So I think he can do it. I mean, he's improved uh, quite a deal uh, in his time, like being in the league so far. And so I agree. Less valing, but uh, just being comfortable picking, popping, and shooting from three would be a huge impact for them. Kemba Walker. This one's obvious. You've been talking about this for the past three months. He needs to shoot from more distance from beyond the arc. Did you know the numbers, though? The, hit, hit, hit him with me. The numbers are pretty eye-opening. He did not even shoot once from 30 feet or beyond except end-of-quarter heaves. He was 45.5% on three-pointers inside of 25 feet, which is basically automatic. 25 to 29 feet, he shot 101 times and shot 28.7%. So he just basically couldn't make threes beyond 25 feet in a league where point guards are now just stretching the, the borders and starting to take threes from damn near half court. I think if he can just extend his range by a few feet, then it just makes things tougher on the big men guarding him. It makes it tougher to zone him. It makes it so much tougher on the defense if he can just become comfortable and as comfortable as he is at the line, just a few feet beyond it. And it's tough. Like It's tough to to be able to shoot from 26, 27, 28 feet. Very few guys in the history of the NBA have been able to do that. It's starting to become a thing. I think Kemba should at least spend time trying to develop that. And here's the question. Do you think he could do it? You've talked before about how he's kind of like a, he came into his own more of his three point shooter uh, as his career went on in Charlotte. I think it's definitely something he can do is like pretty damn good of like, but of getting to that three point line and pulling up and shooting. I think if you can extend that out, it's definitely something that's like he's capable of. And I think it will like would have a major impact on his game. Yeah. And I, I mean, when you look at the guys who do it, the Steph Curry's, the Damian Lillard's, like a, they kind of shoot a set shot almost. It's it's not like they're shooting a jump shot. Um, like they're they're not getting a ton of air. I feel like Kemba does get a little bit of air in his shots. Maybe maybe I'm just overreacting. So maybe it'll be tougher for him. I don't really know. I'm just kind of spitballing right now. But like that's a tough skill to develop. Not many guys have that in their bag, but the ones who do, it's just a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous skill. And then obviously he just needs to get healthy and work on that knee, have that knee survive. All right, Brad Wanamaker. Uh, passing in transition. <laughs> uh, I kind of, I kind of respect his non-passing in transition. The man drew fouls, the man finished. He was a transition force, even though he never passed in transition. I don't really know like what he – he's so sturdy and so solid that I don't know what is really <laughs> like part of it. Like, I don't know. It's a part of the thing where it's like I don't know if he's capable of really adding that much to his game. And so it's like being more consistent defensively. I don't know. What What did you say for uh, Wanamaker? I said three-point versatility. And I don't know whether it's because he doesn't have a super quick release or or what the case is, but he doesn't shoot a lot of threes. And, I mean, he led the league in free throw shooting at 92.6%. He has been a, a good three-point shooter through each of his two seasons in the NBA. He just doesn't shoot a lot. And I, I think, like, if he can somehow find a way to shoot more, and become more of a threat. Like he shot 44.4% from three in the playoffs. Teams were still allowed to play off him and kind of play him as a non-threat because he doesn't shoot enough. And and if he can switch that a little bit, I don't know if he can. It, it might be that his release isn't quick enough, that he's not tall enough, that he's not skilled enough off the dribble to shoot many more times than he already does. But I do think that's a swing skill for him, that if if he can get more three-point volume, it'll be a difference maker. 
I just like can he do it though? I just don't like it feels like he only hit threes when his catch and shoot threes, and I just never seen that be necessarily part of his game. I don't know. It he's just I don't know if that like Brad Wanamaker, he is 30 years old. Is he gonna be able to add like kind of offensive versus you're such an anti-Kaizen guy today? I think he can get somewhat better, but like eventually you he's sure. Okay. I'm an anti-Kaizen guy. Uh, if I don't believe in Brad Wanamaker, just suddenly being able to shoot off the dribble threes. No, but like even catch and shoots, like just be able to shoot more. Of them. Be get a get a quicker release. Be be able to shoot with, uh, you know, a little bit with slightly closer contest. Like it doesn't take much to be able to shoot one or two more threes per 36 minutes. Like it, it wouldn't take a ton to become just a little more of a threat from the three pointer. Cause he is a good shooter. Like the guy can make shots. It's just, he, he's not the threat that other like legitimate sharpshooters are. All right. Kaizen, you're a Kaizen coward. <laughs> you you're you Kaizen pretend like you're, you pretend like you're the king of Kaizen. And meanwhile, we get to off season developments and you just don't think anyone can actually do them. I've questioned Vincent Poirier and uh, Ennis Cantor and Brad Wanamaker, all older guys. That's all I'm saying. I believe in young, the potential of youth. Tremont Waters. His decision-making needs to be better. He throws, he's capable of throwing some crazy passes and he has some like some great vision. But sometimes you talk about like hitting single singles and going for the home run. He goes for the home run assist sometimes that's just like way too often it feels like he just his turnovers are just kind of too high for him to be an effective like playmaker uh or like a backup point guard right now yeah i said he's got a real in the turnovers even at the g league level he had a great year he was rookie of the year i believe in the g league he threw honestly like some of the best passes of the year at any level were thrown by Tremont Waters for the main Red Claws this year. If you just watch his assists, they are breathtaking. They are mesmerizing, but just turnovers, man. And he can become a better shooter. I think he needs to become a better shooter. But the way he can run an offense, if he can just reel in the turnovers and become kind of safer than he has been, then that's a big deal. Turnovers have kind of followed him from college now to the G League during his time in Boston. He didn't play a lot of minutes, but turnovers were an issue during that time too. So just got to keep keep value in the basketball. That's I would another, say – That's another W that you didn't mention I forgot earlier, about, yeah. So I many did. Ws. I think his shooting also needs to improve. He definitely has a willingness to shoot, but I think he'll become a much more dangerous player if like – because he has the quickness to get by people, but if people are not playing up on his shot, um, he's just much uh, less effective. But yeah, it's, it's clearly the kind of being more steady with the basketball. Yeah, buddy. Grant Williams. Shooting threes? Uh, I, I flipped it up on him. Not, uh, not fouling? Keeping his arms straight up? I flipped it up on him. I just said perimeter defense. Um and I know, like, that's his strength right now. Like, but he could get better. That's a Kaizen approach. It, it's his strength right now, but if he's elite at switching, like, if, if he becomes a P.J. Tucker, right? Like, that's the mold for him. That's the body type. That's the s- potential skill set. That is a lane that he could theoretically take. He was already a good defender. There are just moments when... Point guards get past him when he fouls too much in isolation, when he's there and straight up and just kind of brings his arms down. And so I I just feel like if he becomes an elite defender, it doesn't matter what type of shooter he is. He's it's going to be tough to take him off the court because he can he could potentially be the rare guy who can credibly guard one through five positions against almost any type of opponent. So as much as shooting is an obvious thing he needs to work on, I just think defense can kind of be his path 
and and it was his path as a rookie. He was the rare rookie who who's a plus defensively, but I just think there's another level he can reach, and if he reaches that level, it's going to be really tough to take him off the court, no matter how he shoots. I mean, I'd agree. It's it's, it's one of his strengths, but I do think like that he will be better served being that much better. The three point shooting is also a thing. I think like he was much more usable in the um, yeah playoffs because he could knock down some threes but they were all kind of came as a surprise like a, a fun surprise if he was much more consistent it's all about kind of like reputation at this point and so it really even, is even if guys play like a, even a step closer to him because they know he could knock down I think it, it just talks about that floor spacing um, we mentioned with Tice um, alright who's the last guy Time Lord? Robert Williams it's either being in the right position on defense or not jumping on pump fakes. Yeah, kind of all of it. Defensive details. Defensive awareness is the classic uh, skill you would have, the rating you would have in like NBA 2K. Yep. He needs needs a lot more of that. Um, and I, I think the the stat that jumped out to me when I was pouring through the numbers was the offensive rebounds for other teams when Robert Williams was on the court, it skyrocketed. He's never in the right position. He It skyrocketed, and that's because he's out of position. That's because he's trying to block shots that he has no business trying to block. And, like, you look at his blocks, his steals. He's an incredible defensive playmaker. There are a few guys across the NBA who will r- rack up as many blocks and steals as Robert Williams. That is already the truth after just his second year in the league. But it's the details, man. Like, he's just got to become more solid so that his defensive playmaking, while he hunts that stuff down and, like, it doesn't totally backfire on his team. He's – it's just – that's that's it. He's got to have a focus on that all offseason, all next season, the rest of his career, because he has a chance to be – a really, really good defender if he can harness all the physical gifts and like the the shot blocking timing, the the disruptive passing lane steals, like he does a lot of really, really good things defensively, but he's just way too often in the wrong spot. And is it something you think he can get better at doing? Yeah, I mean, why not? Kaizen, man. Kaizen. <laughs> you're you're just the Kaizen crusher today. I'm just trying to be like uh honest here. He did get a lot better in the bubble and there's like talk about how he was like a lot better in that environment around coaches. I think he's got better like his injury hurt him this season and then the kind of pandemic uh he didn't really get a chance to display exactly what he was uh, capable of. So I do think he's he's still young and kind of can get into that position. So I believe I just wanted to ask you the question, you know, for the, the good nature of the game. Like, I don't that's just I, I always do, trying to do. I do think like defensive awareness is not always something that's easy to come by. Like some guys are just. Very, very high IQ defender. Grant Williams has always been a high IQ defender. Robert Williams, despite all the plays that he makes, has not. And and he it's just something he's going to need to work on. And like you said, he was a lot better in the bubble. I thought when he appeared in the bubble, he was far better. Um, he had some stints in the Raptors series that were really impressive, although Serge Ibaka took advantage of him a little bit. But, like, there's... There's a lot to work on with Robert Williams. And if if he does if the Celtics do hit on him, like if if he can, like we said, harness what he does well, then it, it would be a big deal to get a legitimate center, whether it's whether he's backing up Tice, starting, whatever the case may be. If if he ends up panning out, then it's a big deal for them. And and they they could really use that, but you you got to be able to trust him, and the Celtics coaching staff just couldn't do that this year. I or believe wouldn't it, do that this year. Yeah, and it's something that you would hope uh, can uh, improve moving forward. I believe in Robert Williams doing that, and so um, 
we've come to the end of we've been doing this for a while, but I'm gonna uh, ask you, Jay King, what do you need to improve in the offseason? Uh, uh, everything, everything. I've got a. I mean, my writing is not great. My story ideas are not great. I think you need uh, improving your confidence. Well, you don't need improving your confidence. You're one cocky motherfucker. I'm like a cocky, but also insecure motherfucker. Isn't that the story for all of us, though? Yeah, I guess we're all cocky, insecure motherfuckers in some way. This is turning philosophical right over here. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of life is how you deal with that. <laughs> you know? Got to strike a balance between cocky and insecure. That's what life comes down to, boys and girls. And I'm going to try and do the same thing. I mean, sometimes if we're allowed back at games, I feel like there's often times where I just uh, don't ask questions because I tap myself as professional sports fan. And I don't want to be a, a, a nuisance or annoying, but uh, sometimes I got good questions. So, you know, it's just got to take, get, I need to get up more shots uh, if we're allowed back. So that's what I'm going to work on. Listeners, what you need to work on is uh, just giving our uh, podcast five stars, telling your friends about it, saying that this is the best Celtics podcast uh, and keep giving us feedback in, in, on Twitter or anything uh, and just keep sharing the podcast and keep showing us love. And so thank you guys for listening to this episode of And I Think It's Potable!